2: Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Better to get thirty, thirty. bit to get thirty. bit to get twenty, twenty, twenty. bit to get twenty, twenty. Better to get fifteen, 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 fifteen. Just fifteen bucks a month. Sold. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, it wasn't what I'd call pretty, but the Spartans are seven and zero. Michigan State gets the job done, taking down Indiana 20 15 for its second straight road win. It sets up a massive collision with arch rival Michigan in two weeks in what will be quite the scene at Spartan Stadium. We will discuss the win as well as those annoying Mel Tucker to LSU rumors on episode 52 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Monday, October 18th, 2021. Uh, and Matt, I guess when I looked at the schedule, um, I mean, I think we all agreed, you know, preseason that it was a favorable start to the season. Still, to think that you know Mel Tucker has the Spartans sitting at seven and zero and top ten in the ma- nation in year two is, uh, I mean, it's not something I saw
0: coming, really. No, and I don't. I mean, there might be some people that are going to lie to you and say they did too, but I mean, I'm sure the people within the football building envisioned this, but you know, what do they? You know, what do you expect out of them? So yeah, I mean. Obviously, it turns out Miami and Indiana, which are, were the top two games teams through the first seven games, um, are not as good as we thought they would be coming into the year. Um, Indiana's obviously had a bunch of injury issues. Michael Penix didn't play <clears> – <throat> excuse me, didn't play well when he was in there before sitting out last week with a shoulder injury. But, yeah, I mean, give Mel and the guys credit, 7-0, and best start since 2015 still, top 10, all that stuff. It's, it's, you know, quite the start. And, you know, they're winning – you know – in different ways, you had all the explosive plays through the better part of the season. And, and really, you know, you get it done with defense last week. So it was it was a game at halftime that was not looking too well, uh, to say the least for them, but um, found a way to get it done. And uh, yep, 7-0 into a bye week and uh, Michigan coming to town. What a to start.
2: Yeah, I mean, just 241 yards of total offense uh, took them. I mean, Michigan State was clawing for everything they got. They couldn't really get Kenneth Walker on track. I think he averaged under four yards of carry. Uh, explosive plays weren't really there, although you did have the nifty Peyton Thorne tiptoeing along the sideline, showing off his receiver skills. But, uh, Kyle, what, what did you think about the game on Saturday? Not pretty, obviously.
1: No, not pretty. And, and I mean, they're not going to win by two, three touchdowns every time on the road. I think you can accept uh, – a not super pretty result. I I guess my biggest point of concern is, you know, what you just mentioned about the offense. I mean, both middle of the road, Big Ten teams they've played, um, Nebraska and Indiana, have, have really figured out how to shut them down for at least a portion of the game. You know, Nebraska pretty much shut them down the whole second half. I thought Indiana really slowed them down a lot. So um you've got a lot of really good teams, big ten teams coming up, some defenses I think that are better than any they've played and um have to wonder if uh, the book is a little bit out on Michigan State or if those teams are going to be do, be able to do the same. And I, I don't think you're going to be able to count on a, a pick six and, uh, or count on Nebraska being Nebraska to, to pull through in those teams.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you can say it's a – I mean, Matt, do you think it's a good sign that they can win games like this? Or they is it more just like they found ways to win games in multiple ways, like you mentioned?
0: Well, I sure as hell think that uh, they're taking the win. Uh, in another situation, you you get versus – putting up 40 points in a loss. Um, I mean, it shows, I think the defense has, has shown the last two weeks that they're a little more capable of than maybe some people thought, you know, the yards they were giving up, especially or particularly through the air were um, you know, it's one of the worst in the nation, but they weren't giving up points. And that can, you know, that continues. They, they didn't give up as many yards uh, against Indiana um, passing. I think you probably gave up damn near what about half as many yards and penalties as they did in offense. But um, you know, they're, you know, again, same story as, as Rutgers and some other games, Nebraska in particular, you let a team gets down into the red zone, gets inside the 10, maybe even gets in the five and you get a, you get a stop. I mean, and that's what they needed. And and that was the difference in, in both those games that were close really. So yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll take whatever way they can get to win, but you're, you're not going to win too many games down the stretch, putting up 200 less than 250 yards of offense, getting only one touchdown on offense. So You know, they needed every little inch going back to Mark D'Antonio quotes here with about the inches, but they needed everything they could get, obviously. You needed the pick six from from Halliday. If you don't get that, I don't know where they're at. Obviously the scoreboard says they lose, but I mean that felt like it felt like a twenty eight to nothing game at halftime. Can I give you you can I
1: give you my unsung hero of the game who I didn't feel like we talked about? Matt Coglin, man. Oh, yeah, the two yeah. long, tough field goals. <laughs> not, not high percentage field goal for a college kicker. He went out there and drilled them both and they needed them
0: both. I yeah. included I included that in the uh, observations after the game for Sunday morning. Yeah, Coglin Coglin was, I mean, let's be honest, he, you know, he's been very reliable for the most part of his career, but he hasn't been known for having a big leg. You know, mm-hmm. you get outside of 40, 45, particularly, and really. It's questionable, which is kind of funny, because he's been so good, effective the last two seasons on, on uh, touchbacks off kickoffs, so I don't know what that is, but yeah, I mean, 51 yards, and that was a windy day in, in Bloomington on Saturday, so 51, ties his career long, 49, not obviously not far off, and Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week today, so there we go. well, you
1: yeah. And, and speaking of the win, I want to ask you, because I, I, it wasn't totally clear to tell from the TV broadcast, but some of those misses from Peyton Thorne, they were kind of saying, well, it's windy, you know, it's understandable. He's a little bit off. Um, did you think that played a big part? Cause I thought he was, he looked off more off on his toes than any, really any other game we've had, we've seen this year.
0: I don't know that the wind was really a factor um, as far as his throws were concerned. I mean, I don't, Ben, I don't think he he meant even mentioned it after the game. I think it was just, their corners were, were were pretty good, Indiana's, mm-hmm. even though they were missing their their best one. So I just I just thought they they did a good job defending Michigan State's receivers, didn't give them a ton of separation. I think when you I think about as, as much separation as you saw when when Thorne was was heads up enough to get in Indiana, catch him off sides, snap the ball to get the free play. Yeah. He goes deep down the sideline to read, and it's a straight up drop on what probably would have been a touchdown. So I mean, it's good defense. So give them credit. And and they had, you know, they had the bye week they had the extra time to prepare. Tom Allen's a very good defensive coach. So, you know, you kind of figured they were going to dial something up to, to slow them down. I was a little surprised that they weren't able to really get the big plays. I think 28 yards was, was the long for the game. So yeah, they, they need the offense to be better. They really need to cut down on the penalties. That's been a, H-hmm, that, that yeah. has been a big problem the last uh, two weeks. So uh, that doing th- the combination of things they put together for the most part on Saturday will not win against Michigan. It might not win against Purdue. It might not win against another team left on the schedule.
2: Yeah, I mean, 12 penalties for 134 yards in the game. Uh, you had the two turnovers. But, yeah, the opportunistic turnovers continue to be a, a big thing for Michigan State. I mean, Darius Snow's pick, uh, I mean, I think I could have intercepted that ball because it kind of, the ball got hit and it sort of fluttered up in the air. But, uh, I mean, obviously Cal Halliday's pick, yeah, that was a huge play for momentum because Michigan State – wasn't getting anything going early on and two things that I was looking for earlier in the game was if Kenneth Walker was getting running lanes and if Indiana was being to move the ball up and down the field and they were doing both so I tweeted very early on that I was concerned and I was concerned going into this game because it felt like it I mean I called I straight up called it a trap game on this podcast last week because it was I mean Mel seems to be doing a pretty good job of getting the guys focused on week to week uh who's the task at hand but when you know that you have a potentially undefeated showdown with your rival at your place looming in a few weeks, uh, it's it's going to be hard to not at least think about that, especially when you're a program that openly acknowledges that they're your biggest rival. So um, I, I thought again, though, like the, the play on the field, Matt, you mentioned the penalties, uh, so, some, some um, costly mistakes, but. I mean, there was some strange management stuff again from the sideline, I thought, in some in some cases. And I don't want to sit here and play Monday morning quarterback every time that like, oh, like I know more than Mel Tucker because I don't. But like, you know, just for an example, you get the you get the ball back at the end there and then you take a shot right to the end zone and it gets picked off and you give the ball back to Indiana and you give him another chance. I thought that was a strange choice.
0: Well, I mean. That if that's a touchdown, every Michigan State fan like yourself is just doing cartwheels around the living room about how aggressive it is and going for the kill, mm. and all that stuff. I, I would. I, the, the, the risk reward
1: still does not still does not make sense in that situation to me.
0: No, I, I don't think so. And if I remember right, we asked Peyton about it, and he said he checked out of something, and and he thought he, he looked to read on the one side, and he said he probably should have stuck with him because he toasted his guy, but he just. He just didn't put the ball in the right spot. And yeah, I, I was surprised they called that play, you know, for damn sure that, that under Mark D'Antonio, there is no way in hell that is dialed up. I mean, the conservative thing to do is run the ball. Maybe, you know, maybe you throw up, but maybe you just, you don't put it in the, in a the position like that. Um, but you take, you, you set you ideally, obviously you want to kick a field goal and get to an eight point lead. And then, you know, obviously you know what that means, but um, yeah, I mean, I was surprised by the shot, but you know they, they have been fairly aggressive this season. Uh, in case you didn't notice, the Tyler Hunt to to Peyton Thorn <laughs> throw a tight end throwing it a tight end backpedaling ten yards with pressure in his face, throwing <laughs> down the sideline into double coverage to the damn quarterback. Yeah, and you know what? At first, <laughs> I'm watching. I'm like, what the hell was that? And then <laughs> yeah. I look up at the replay. I'm like, oh, my God, he actually got a foot down. And And Peyton had a good quote after the game I asked him about the catch. And he said, you know, like ranks up there with, you know, some plays he made in recess back in middle school. But he also said he made the catch and he gets up. He's obviously on the Indiana sideline. And he he asked the Indiana guys, like, was I actually in? He said he thought they'd be honest. And they're like, oh, no, you weren't in. He found out after the game that the, one of the Michigan State ball boys was on the sideline and said after that, they looked and were like, oh, yeah, he was definitely in. <laughs> great great <laughs> catch. Great. I mean, in, Heinz, I mean it, it, in the moment, it looked like a really poor decision to make that throw. But you go back and look at it. I mean, he kind of put the ball in the spot where if you got a quarterback who so can go up and get it, he was the only one who was going to get it. Great catch. Sets up their only offensive touchdown of the game. So,
2: And, t- and Tyler go. Hunt uh, catches a touchdown of his own uh, later yep. in the game. Everyone's favorite punter turned tight end. Did he play quarterback in high school? Did we get any indication oh, as to yeah. why he was oh, the yeah. one he,
0: chosen? Okay. He played quarterback at Goebbels. I wrote about this last year when he made the, the switch to to uh, tight end and had been, you know, I think this was after the Iowa game when he scored on that uh, sweep on the run. But, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, kind of the do-it-all guy at Goebbels. Uh, I talked to his high school coach, and he was – Remember when he came in? Mark D'Antonio was damn near calling him about the most athletic guy on the team. He can throw the ball 150 yards with both hand, with you know both arms, and all that stuff. But no, a really athletic guy. I mean, obviously, if you're going to go from walk on punter to a tight end in the Big Ten, actually playing, you know, a lot. I mean, that says plenty. So, um, Mm -hmm. good job by him. How was the crowd? Was
2: there a lot of state people there? I couldn't. They weren't doing a lot. Uh, They were.
0: The, the bulk of the Michigan State fans, it was a little sparse at kickoff, but it filled in. I think that's just, you know, noon game, uh, homecoming. People were sticking around at the tailgates a little longer. Uh, but it was from where I was sitting in the press box, it looked like lower right uh, section was Michigan State fans. Um, but you were kind of – the press box there is kind of with back from – it feels like you're a mile away. My crappy binoculars I need to upgrade because struggling to read a few numbers on the uh, on the – the uh, warmups they come out with before the game.
2: Yeah. Come on, Matt. You can probably expense those binoculars, man. Just get, just get a, do a little upgrade there.
0: I uh, mean, <laughs> it wasn't a problem at Rutgers last week because we're, uh, we're we damn near don't even need binoculars there, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just steal Chris's. He's got like some he <laughs> bought from a pawn shop in the Bronx when we were at the, he's Florida. very proud of those. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were walking to Yankee stadium when he realized oh, I don't have my binoculars. Hold on. I'll be back. All right. Have fun. Jump
2: in a cab and head to a pawn shop
0: and get some. No, he just walked Uh, walked down the street and got him.
2: All right. Well, of course, with the win, Michigan State does reclaim the greatest trophy in all of sports the old brass platoon. Uh, which I just think it's hilarious. The things that they play for in the big 10, man, literally playing for something that Cowboys would, you know, spit their chewing tobacco in back in the day or, uh, I don't know. It's just hilarious to me. The things that, that we play for in the big 10, but Hey, it's a win for Michigan state. I mean, they remain undefeated. Uh, you're going to have games like this. I think Mel said as much, he said the same thing after Nebraska, you're going to have games like this where you might not have your a game. The team uh, that you're playing might, you know, have a little bit of an edge on you and a lot of, ways, but uh, hey, they got the win and Michigan State is 7-0 and now they get to chill for a couple weeks uh, as they prepare for Michigan, which has a game versus Northwestern, but really just that Northwestern game that is uh, blocking the way to an undefeated showdown in East Lansing in a couple weeks. Although uh, we found out today that that will be a noon kick. Uh, Spartan Twitter is currently up in arms at this decision. Uh, I don't think we really need to get into it because it really just comes down to Fox and ESPN and uh, the networks getting to choose where they want it. You got Penn State, Ohio State that same week. So, of course, they get the night game, which was predictable. I was hoping for a mid-afternoon start, 3.34 o'clock. But, Matt, I'm sure you're happy about the noon
0: start. Um. Yeah, that's an understatement. Um, Brandon got an, an email recently that said I don't sound enthused enough on the podcast. Well, if you want enthusiasm, give me a noon start for the third week in a row. So that's as enthusiastic as I will ever get. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's I know the fans don't like it. I get it. I've gone over this a million times. I obviously love the noon starts. I get people hate it. Um, they'd rather be you know, mid afternoon or at night and all that. But you know, this is the deal. The Big Ten, they made their their bed and they're gonna have to sleep in it. They, If you want all the money with the with the networks, you give over power and when the games are going to be played. And that's just the deal. Fox likes their big noon thing, which is kind of stupid because it doesn't seem like anybody else does. But they're also broadcasting the playoffs, baseball yeah. playoffs at night. So, I mean, what do you what are you expecting? here? You know, and then you also you got Penn State and Ohio State the same weekend. Um yeah, just uh, whatever. We'll get it over with early people, I guess, are going to be getting drunk at 6 a.m. in East Lansing, uh, uh, you know, outside Spartan Stadium.
1: Okay, yeah, I was going to say, can I just like explain uh, uh, like a little bit of what I understand of the TV dynamics, which is that uh, I believe Fox gets to pick first in this game. So everyone thinking that like, oh, it's a take mis- disrespect, you went number one in the draft um, and it literally is a, a week-to-week draft and Fox just doesn't have a primetime college football spot. Cause of the world series game four is that night. So they, you know, you got picked first and there was no night game available. So, um, you know, you can argue noon or four o'clock, but Fox has said, like, we put our biggest teams at noon um, and we consider that our number one time slot. So you, you got the number one pick and you got what that network can, you know, deems as its number one time slot. So if you don't like it, that's fine. I understand everyone's got their own personal reasons, but acting like, you know, um, it's some sort of slight at Michigan state and Michigan. I, I, I don't, I don't see that at all.
2: You know, you yeah, know, people fans, are going to do anything they can yeah. to get that chip. The disrespect. Right. Blame Antonio for that, man. He he <laughs> this sort of chip mentality to Michigan State, and it is stuck.
0: <laughs> I, I think both fan bases are pretty much doing the same today. Everybody's disrespecting them because what Fox made you the, their top priority. I mean, yeah. Get over it. it. it you'll get, well, to, you'll the, get to
2: you'll get to bed earlier than you would. So there you go some of this is just, you know, people not understanding the TV dynamics and how these things work, but uh, you know, it is what it is. It'll be a noon kick. I'm sure it'll still be plenty festive in East Lansing. Uh, I'm I'm going to bed by eight o'clock Friday night. I need to be up by like two, 3 a.m. to get ready for the game uh, and uh, get again down over to East Lansing. Uh, Matt's looking at me like I'm a crazy. I'm obviously being a little bit facetious here, but it will be an early morning for me. I'm, I got to get over there, get nice and ready for the game because it's going to be a big game and Yeah, like, ultimately, people, once we get there, once the game starts, it's not going to matter. It's just another football game. It's going to be going down. It's going to be electric. So uh, there's no way, you know, they've only been one night game in the history of this rivalry, and it wasn't in East Lansing. So I was always kind of ruling that out. And, uh, I mean, if if you're holding out hope for college game day, people, you should probably send those, uh, punt those <laughs> thoughts into the sun. There's it. no chance that Fox or ESPN is going to be pumping up a noon game when they have Penn State, Ohio State on their network at night on ABC. So uh, just just get those out of your, your mind right now, too. So if you're really that mad, you can go over to the Fox set and make your opinions known. Just know that uh, uh, they probably will have security.
0: Just keep that in mind. <laughs> I want to, I'm wondering, this will be the biggest home game atmosphere since or i was thinking the organ oregon oregon? that was yeah. kind of what just popped in my head without looking
1: uh, i i would agree with oregon that one was that was a big one
2: yeah that was huge that was a game day game uh so yeah i mean it's it, again sometimes it just comes down to who's got it the game but i mean it's going to be a big game and we'll have plenty of time to talk about it over the course of the next couple of weeks here um so no game for michigan state this week they are off Uh michigan plays indiana at noon or not Indiana Northwestern at noon on big noon Saturday. So uh, if you're paying attention people, Fox just likes their big game at noon. I mean, and I, I don't know that many people that really think it's really that good of an idea, but they're clearly trying to counter program ESPN. That has always put their big games at night. So that's just what's going on here. Um, but Michigan plays against Northwestern. So get to watch that no game for state, which means they'll have two weeks to prepare for Michigan, uh, which, you know, people debate whether or not that's really actually helpful. I think it is. I think you saw that with Indiana this week. Um, But so let's let's talk about, you know, something else that's been in the news cycle. Ed Ogeron is going to be out at LSU. Mel Tucker obviously has ties to the South. He's having a great season at Michigan State. He's proven that he can recruit well um, in a short period of time. The results are good, I should say, at least. I guess the jury's still out if he can actually continue to recruit well. But he seems to be a good recruiter obviously uh, has inspired a lot of confidence and enthusiasm in the Michigan State fan base. So Matt, I mean, I see he's in the top, you know, six, seven in terms of odds, but he's not the favorite, but a name that's being floated here. I don't, I think it's just strictly rumor at this point, but you had Bruce Feldman, national guy floating Mel Tucker's name. So, I mean, how much merit do these rumors deserve?
0: Well, I mean, I, 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 what stands out to me a little bit is that one of them is that <clears throat> with Feldman being one of the ones who reported it because Bruce has been Bruce has broke some Tucker news in the past obviously um so that stands out but I mean it's I think it's really obvious that Mel's name would come up I mean this isn't a surprise I mean he was an LSU assistant coach he has <clears throat> additional SEC experience at Alabama and Georgia he's won national championships at Ohio State and and Alabama I mean he's He's got 25 years of experience. He's still fairly young. He's a strong recruiter. He's got all these, te- I mean, and he's about as about as hot a name in college football as there is right now. So obviously, you know, his name coming up is not a surprise. How serious of a candidate is he really by LSU and would Mel really consider leaving? I, I don't know. I mean, that's he, he Mel will, will have to address it at some point in time. He's not, his press conference uh, that would have been today was canceled because of the bye week so uh, it's going to sit out there for a little bit and it's probably not going away. Um, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's still mid-October. There's going to be some time to fill, but you know, it, it maybe you know, worse, you know, for Michigan state, this might just mean you're going to have to cough up some more money. And that's just the reality of the situation. You've got a, co- a young coach who's successful. It's off to a great start. If somebody else wants him. You might have to pay more money, even though they more than doubled his salary um, coming out of Colorado. So, uh, but, you know, I guess Michigan State has a few good things working for them. You know, they – Allen Haller is the AD. Mel and Allen are close. So, you've got a good relationship, obviously, there. Um, you know, Michigan State showed the investment they were going to make to bring Mel here, gave him, the, you know, a good salary, made him one of the highest-paid coaches in the country, gave him, you know, a big pool for his assistants. You've got Matt Ishvia giving a, a writing a big check. Uh, so, they're going to, you know, renovate the football building. And you're, you know, you've got things kind of going right now. You're 7-0, and um, recruiting at a decent clip. So you're making progress. Um, whether that's enough, whether LSU is able to actually try and get him in that conversation, I don't know. We're going to have to see. But it's not going to go away in the next few days, say the least.
1: I, I don't think there's a whole lot of danger of this happening for Michigan State. Uh, I, I guess, you know, I'm obviously not close to it, but I'd be surprised if this search gets to Mel Tucker. Um, I, you know, I'm not surprised his name's in the mix. I think it's, I think that's legitimate, but um, you know, LSU is going to shoot for the moon on this. Um, I think these are all of our indications. I mean, you look at there, if you know anything about, if you follow the, the coaching stuff nationally at all, their, their AD, um, he's a big game hunter. He's the guy, he was at Texas AD, A&M before his name's Scott Woodward. He hired Jimbo Fisher to that massive contract um, out of Florida state. Um, he's hired some other big names before in some other sports, Uh Buzz Williams. He just hired a women's basketball coach who was a three-time national champion. So he he's gonna be looking for dudes who have won national championships, um, or come or come close to it before, at least one big uh big time conference title. So I, you know, I I think they're gonna be looking at Jimbo Fisher. They're gonna be looking at James Franklin and and that's kind of the caliber that they're going to to get. So I um it wouldn't shock me, but I I don't think this search is going to get to Mel Tucker, and maybe Michigan State has to cough up an extension or something, or maybe they surprise me. But I I I have a feeling that um that this search isn't going to get to him.
2: Yeah, I mean I I saw some of the offshore sports books had you know Lane Kiffin, Luke Fickle, Jimbo Fisher, uh, Billy Napier as some of maybe Mark Stoops as some of the top guys, even ahead of Mel Tucker. So, I mean, he seems happy in Michigan state, obviously money can change things a lot. I think from a fan perspective, something that I'm a little bit nervous about is maybe us, eat, you know, getting, having to eat some, some karma here. Like we're like, you know, M- Mel Tucker basically left Colorado in the in the middle of the night after saying he was there. And we've seen how Colorado fans are upset about it. And I, I mean, I, he was well within his rights. They doubled his salary, but um, you know, th- if the same sort of thing or something similar happened to Michigan state fans, it would be total meltdown city, uh, to have something like that happen to the guy that they thought was their guy. And suddenly Michigan state fans and Colorado fans are in the same corner. This is like a nightmare scenario. Wait, wait,
1: you mean, you mean you mean a Michigan state head coach up and coming leaving for LSU? You think that would chap, uh, Michigan state fans at all?
2: Kyle, I think there might be a little uh, PSD from, from c- certain events that might have happened. Yes, I think they might be a little bit sensitive to something like that happening. Uh, so, I mean, that that's all it is. That's all this is. I mean, Mel Tucker is clearly a hot name right now, but he seems all in on Michigan State. I mean, like he can't just brand the deep end in the woodshed and then walk on out of here. Come on. That would just be ridiculous. I'd be like, what do we What do we So do we it, keep the woodshed thing? Like, what are we doing? It would be, almost
0: be like somebody rode their boat to Minnesota. I mean, nobody ever leaves a job with <laughs> Brandy I was going to say
1: counterpoint. He absolutely could do that.
2: Okay,
0: yeah. but come on, Western to Minnesota
2: is—is is that are we really comparing Western Michigan moving to Minnesota as Michigan State moving to LSU? I don't know
0: that. I don't know if that's a fair comparison. Well, I mean, because. but you, I think look at the one other thing that favors Michigan State a little bit in this is the expectations that are that are different the program. I mean, LSU, you are expected <clears throat> to win the national championship, okay. and in case you didn't notice, the SEC has a few good teams. <laughs> um, not to say the Big Ten's bad. The Big Ten obviously has great teams, but I think the expectations at Michigan State are slightly different, to say the least. Ed Orgeron is on his way out less than 24 months after winning a national championship. Now, there are other things that have obviously happened, and there's some off-field stuff, but, I mean, the the expectations are are, are different well- from I think I saw the, uh, someone tweeted,
2: I can't remember who it was, but like the last like four or five SEC coaches to win the national championship, not named Nick Saban have all been fired. Like Gene Chizik got fired from Auburn. Uh, uh, The other guy, I can't remember his name right now at Auburn. Uh, Who was the other Auburn coach that just got fired? Um, Gus Malzahn. Malzahn, Yeah. It's it's like the expectations that some of these top SEC programs are nuts. So, uh, yeah, man, I would hold, I would totally agree that Michigan state obviously has, it's expected to be a big 10 contender, but, uh, no one's expecting Michigan state to be a national championship contender every single year. So in football that is, um, so, you know, it's an interesting uh, discussion. I think it's a compliment to Michigan state. I think it actually, as long as Mel doesn't up and leave, uh, I think it actually can help Michigan State that they're getting this sort of buzz, uh, that their coach is getting this sort of buzz, uh, at a program like LSU. Do you agree with that? I mean I've, again it just
0: comes back to winning. You win, you know, success is gonna follow you in recruiting and people trying to poach your coaches, maybe your head coach or your assistant coaches or, or staff members and whatever level. You know, at winning will bring all of that. And as long as Michigan State continues to win, it'll obviously make more money, do better recruiting. Mel's gonna name will will get floated out there for other jobs. and that's just part of the, you know, that's just the, the business of college football. It just means Michigan State will have to spend more money to to invest in his resources and keep Mel there if, if that's going to be the case.
1: I, I do wonder how long of a term stop, I mean, LSU aside, how long of a term stop Mel Tucker sees Michigan State as. I mean, does he see that this is a place he wants to stay for a while and can really wait it out for that, you know, big job, whatever it is, you know, LSU or, uh, not LSU, uh, the NFL or some, you know, some Alabama, Ohio State type job, or, or is this another stepping stone? Because frankly, I mean, he, he hasn't stayed anywhere. And a lot of that is normal coaching, you know, going up through the ranks, but um, he's never really stayed anywhere more than a couple of years. So I, I think I gave you the reason I don't think this should be overly concerning Michigan state, but you know, the fact is this guy has um, has shown a, um, a willingness to, to jump up the ladder pretty quickly. Um, so I, I do think that maybe that gave you a little pause if you're Michigan state, but um, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is the point where it says, yeah, I'm going to stay somewhere for a while and wait it out. And it's going to take a really, really good job or job offer to, to get me away from here. I don't know. I, I'm very interested. I could see it going either way in that respect.
0: You guys want to Two. take a guess the longest he's been in one job? I'm looking uh, right now. It's three like years. What,
1: three years. Yeah. I was going to say three.
0: Because he was at 2004. Okay. Four yeah, If you count the sorry. Jags okay. from nine
2: to 12. So oh, I, um, I guess I wasn't looking at the Jags. <laughs> was, yeah. But yeah, I, I was just looking at it. Ohio State, 2001 to 2003. Cleveland Browns, 2005 to 2008. Uh, Jaguars, nine to 11. Bears at 13 and 14, Georgia 16 and 18. I mean, so yeah, his track record is two, three, four years. And then he moves on. Then again, uh, I mean, he started at Michigan state. That's where he was a GA. He has ties here every, I mean, he's saying all the right things. You know, he said when he got hired, this was his dream job. Wants to be here. Wants to create something great. Wants to carry on the legacy D'Antonio started. I know it's all coach speak press conference stuff, but at least he's saying that stuff.
1: Well, well, yeah, he, and, said, and he, he said that it, <laughs> he's,
2: he's, he's not gonna going to find a
1: whole lot of places. They're going to pay more than what, five and a half million to, you know,
2: right, he's well um, paid right now. Yeah. And Michigan so, State has money, not LSU money, maybe, but he, they have money. Yeah,
1: to I mean, me, that, that, to me, he's kind of a step below, like, like he's not getting tied to like USC right now, you know, it's like, like James Franklin gets tied to every single job that comes open. Now it seems like, and he's not quite on that level, but like, man, he finishes out this year strong. I mean, it, I'll just say this Michigan state fans might need to get used to this happening, like with every big job that comes out.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. I mean, if, if, again, if you just, if he keeps winning, keeps being successful, he's got the resume, he's got the track record, you know, NFL college, he can produce guys to the next level. He can recruit, you know, he knows how he he seems to do a very good job with team culture. And I mean, the portal, the way he handled that obviously helps because it shows, you know, what he can do in a new age of college football. And yeah, I I agree. As long as he keeps winning and they're successful, his name will end up being mentioned. Well,
2: we'll keep tracking it. Obviously nothing official right now, just, just rumors and reports out there. Um, But LSU obviously will be looking for someone to replace Ed Ogeron and it's, they're obviously one of the biggest programs and brands in college football. So uh, when Mel Tucker's being mentioned, it's something we should pay attention to. Um, So we'll continue to track it. Uh, But we're going to switch away from football here for a little bit. We have no game to preview this week, as I mentioned. uh, But Kyle, basketball season fast approaching. I know you're excited. I'm excited uh, as a big time college hoops guy. Um, And last season, you know, just like every sport was anything but a normal season. But uh, sort of the kickoff today, uh, we got the AP poll dropped in college basketball. Gonzaga is your number one team again. Uh, Your your big 10 ranked teams are Michigan at six, Purdue at seven, Illinois at 11, Ohio State at seventeen Maryland at twenty one Michigan state and Indiana are basically twenty six and twenty seven respectively based on the votes so the Spartans not ranked to start the uh, to start the year, which is a rarity I saw you put out maybe you can give the stat but uh, um, you know I, I can't say I'm surprised they aren't ranked because we've talked about you know how they're a little bit under the radar here a lot of unknown pieces. Um, but, um, I guess I thought they'd sneak into the, the 20 to 25 range. So I'm slightly surprised.
1: I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I, I think if you're ranking completely just like blind ranking, um, I, I do think that they probably deserve the to be out the top 25, but I thought their brand might get them in, um, and, and right. own kind of his history would get them in. So I guess I'm a little bit surprised, but you know, they're a team that, um barely finished above 500 last year and lost their um their leading scorer, rebounder sister um all that so it, it shouldn't be shocking um i don't think and i don't think it's undeserved i would Um, I don't think see a whole lot of disrespect there, um, although I'm sure some people do. Um, But I I think the good news, uh, the the preseason rankings that I look forward to more, the Ken Palm season rankings, also came out um, this week, yesterday. Um, Minosia have them at 22, uh, not a ton higher, but a little bit higher. I think you like to see your Ken Palm a little bit higher. So I think that's good for Michigan State. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's like we said, you know, they've got pieces, but they're unproven. Um, and I think they've certainly got the talent. I think their ceiling is, is obviously, um, way higher than that, but, um, you know, nobody's seen this all come together. So I think there's, um, there's well-deserved skepticism around Michigan state right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, anybody who follows college basketball knows that the Ken Palm numbers are Torvik. They tend to be ahead of the AP voters, just right? Because it's computer generated. It's, it's based on an algorithm. It's not looking at teams and stats. Now Ken Palm can also be wrong. Michigan state started last year as a top Ken Palm team and they were dreadful. So, uh, you know, it's, it can go both ways. I think it's a, I think it's fair that they're not ranked. I mean, it like, there's just so much unknown. They lost their leading scorer. They've got a lot of talented pieces. But the thing that surprised me is Kyle. Like, yeah, you mentioned it seems like like college football, right? If you look at the year, uh, people don't know who to rank 20 through 25, so they throw USC and Texas and Tennessee I... and teams like that, and they're just based on brand because they're like, oh, I feel like we need to have them in there. So I kind of thought that maybe they would sneak in. I know a lot of people do have them in their top 25. I think Gary Parish, CBS, I uh, had him at 21. So there are people that have them in the top 25 and really it's irrelevant. I mean, it's not something that we really need to get worked up about people. Like I get it. We want to, you, you love to sow the disrespect. And I think Michigan state is a top 25 team. Uh, I think they're going to be better than sixth in the big 10. But if you look at on paper right now, from a national perspective, take off the green glasses. I think it's fair that they're, they're not in the top 25 team and they are 26. So let's not like they're nowhere on the radar. Right. Here. <laughs>
1: Yeah. um, And it's not hard for me to build a case of this team being, um, you know, a sweet 16 team um, or or of that caliber. I mean, I, mean, I think you need a couple of these guys to, to be good and have, and have good years. And there's a lot of candidates to me, guys, that I think, you know, I, I don't see like a big 10 player of the year, you know, jumping out here, but like a lot of like potential, like first, second team, you know, ish type of guys, like, like Izzo, Every time we talk to Israel, he can't stop talking about Max Christie um, to a level that I can't really remember a whole lot of freshmen he's talking about like that. You know, maybe like Jaron Jackson and then some of the 16 guys. But um, I, I think they're expecting Max Christie to be a really good player for him. I saw the Athletic had him uh, but middle of the first round um, in the draft. I mean, I think people are starting to kind of catch on and maybe remember this kid and think, you know, he's going to be um, – he's going to be pretty good. So he, he's going to be good. And, and, you know, my other breakout candidate, I, I, I think Joey Howard, here could have a really good year. Um, I, I think he was figuring it out last year. I think defensively he struggled. And um, like, I think we talked about on the pot, I think he was hurt more than anybody else in not having uh, a point guard and, and not being able to have the ball in the right spot. You know, you know, Israel talked about, all these times where a guy's open and he gets the ball two seconds too late, then he's got a defender in his face. Um, And if they have the point guard play that they think they're going to have this year, those shots are open, the pick and roll back, which I think is suits his game. Well. Um, So, you know, you have two guys like that have a better season than you're expecting and and you're right there. And, you know, you could, you could sub in Gabe Brown or uh, Malik Hall or some other guys too. So um, I, I, the, the potential is there. And um, but you know, none of these guys have really done it before, so I I, I certainly understand too um, how how you would have them outside the top twenty five right now too.
2: UCLA is ranked second coming off that run in the NCAA tournament. That's a uh, little
1: reactionary to me.
2: I agree, Kyle. I think that you know people are obviously remember you know people in college basketball. We love to call out the people who only tune in in March and <laughs> like like the, like these voters who clearly watch college basketball. I think are are doing that. That's what they're doing. UCLA barely made the tournament. They weren't good last year. Right. They are on this run, and now with, like, the same team, and everyone has them at number two, I think that's ridiculous. Kansas is at number three. Michigan State starts the season against Kansas. Definitely <laughs> think that that rank is earned. Um, and then if you look uh, at the battle for Atlantis, you've got teams that are ranked in that field between uh, uh, UConn's 24, Auburn's 22. Um, Baylor is – eighth so you you could potentially uh you know we obviously know loyola who is who they're going to play off the jump there so um you're looking at three ranked games potentially there so as you can say could have four or five uh, louisville's not ranked i don't believe so i mean they could be playing four or five ranked games or ranked teams before the big 10 season even starts based on this initial poll
1: (laughs) which i'm not sure is what you'd ideally like for a team like this um but you know We'll find out early. I, 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 I miss you. I mean, as long as you're not like totally putting yourself behind the eight ball for the, uh, for the NCAA tournament resume, um, like that's fine to take a couple lumps. lumps. You know, I, I, I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock in there. I mean, like shoot last year, they were undefeated in the nine conference and they fell apart. So um, I don't think you should put a whole lot of stock if they lose a couple games this year either.
2: All right. Anything else we missing anything on football, basketball, anything else here?
0: I just got an email from somebody asking me about whether it's bi-week B-Y-E or bi-week B-U-Y. So if we want to break that down for 15 (laughs) minutes, we can, but um, no, I think I'm good.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're getting we're getting by game confused with by week there. Yeah. Uh, now that we're in basketball season, we can start talking about by games because there's certainly those on the schedule, too. Uh, so uh, I'm just more than anything. I'm glad with basketball in the way. I'm just excited that we're going to have a, a season with fans like they had to camp out for the zone. I saw tickets went real quick. Right, Kyle?
1: Yeah, they um, they sold out zone will be at full capacity this year.
2: That's fantastic news. Fantastic news for everyone who loves college basketball, not even just the zone, but just that we get to have students back in these buildings across the country because college basketball, I thought even more so than college football missed fans last year. Uh, just because they play such a huge factor. I mean, not that they don't in football, but I think just the, the confined areas of basketball arenas, you really notice the fans a lot.
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, fan, fans can shout stuff at basketball coaches, and they will have to, like, hear them and react to it. Like, I remember Tim Miles, like, yelling back and forth with Michigan State students, you know, at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love football. I mean, fans can be great in football, too. That doesn't happen in football, though.
2: Or like Cameron indoor when the students are like literally right behind you guys <laughs> when you're sitting on the yeah. or whatever um so uh yeah they yell at beat reporters too I, I check your mentions you probably got some uh some um, people yelling at you right now for supporting a noon kickoff map but uh that's oh, good do it
0: don't you know <laughs> no, that i ahead. i'm the one I, i'm the one that picked the noon game <laughs> oh <laughs> think, yeah yeah because He's, it seems like most some of the public it's confused and they think that sports writers have anything to do with it reporters pick game the reporters don't damn message <laughs> blame
2: the blame the penguins in the towers in new york people or chicago or wherever the heck uh these tv stations are based so uh that's gonna do it for our episode where we got to get out of here i uh, hope you guys enjoyed we're off uh no game this week so enjoy the college football elsewhere um but we'll stay on top of the other news obviously things constantly breaking with michigan state um so we'll stay on top of it but if you could please like rate and review the podcast check out our work at mlive.com slash spartans hit us with your questions and concerns especially game time related concerns uh and we will be back to discuss it all so for matt lens and kyle austin i'm brave this has been mlive spartan confidential podcast we'll talk to you next time and go great